The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh For those people that just joined us We are now commencing with the legal hour We've had the leadership hour with uh, Adil Chabaleng From uh, Gauteng And we had Hanifa Jabbar speaking about the empowerment of women And uh, now we have Faisal Bardin on the line uh, Old uh, regular and of course uh, Nazir Park uh, Faisal, you with us? Waalaikumsalam, Ifsan, and all the viewers, listeners. Yes, I'm here. Okay, uh, they were trying to get all of you, Faisal, but I yeah, saw you. Yeah, I was sorry when I was... Sit a bit late, Shai, Yeah, I got caught up with some people you're having. Now, okay, thank you for being on. Um, what do you say is the... And then, Nazir, Assalamu alaikum, you back? Waalaikum salam, Ifsan, I am here. Waalaikum salam also to the radio listeners of the Voice of the Cape. Okay, shukran. And how's the weather out in uh, in Cravenby? Always pleasant, the sun. Okay. Always pleasant weather we have here. Okay, because it's definitely a different weather zone on that side. Yeah? So, uh, close okay. to the airport, you always have the benefit of good weather. Okay, alhamdulillah. And as here's on another topic, now that we don't have planes anymore um, uh, flying, I mean, it must be a very peaceful area now. I mean, normally you have the planes flying directly over that area. It is. It's actually strange, you know, we've become so accustomed to the lovely sounds of the jets flying over your head and now all of a sudden you have this complete and utter deafness. So it is rather strange, but we'll see what happens in the coming days yeah, with the uh, announcement that's going to be made soon. Yeah, inshallah. Okay, gentlemen, so we've got a few items that we need to deal with uh, now. Um, Nazir, you have been tasked this evening to deal with that whole issue of the dog. Um, especially for those dog owners who who feel that, um, you know, they can just have dogs and uh, there's no consequences when these dogs start biting people and, of course, causing damage. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, so, so just bear that in mind. And Faisal, on your side, I've asked, I mean, we've basically, I've asked that we discuss meeting procedure. Um, I mean, you sit on various boards, you've sat on on a, on, on a number of excos, you still sit on a number of excos, I sit on a number of excos, and I uh, thought maybe, you know, we can give a bit of the benefit of our experience, organizational experience, to people struggling with meeting procedures and protocol. Um, yes. Maybe, no. maybe Faisal, Nazir, if you can indulge us, maybe just come in if you can on this issue. But maybe, Faisal, you can kick off with the issue of meeting procedure. Well, look, I think, uh, you know, with meetings, a lot of people don't like meetings, Isan. Um, mm. You know, they, they some people think meetings is a waste of time. You know, they rather want to be out there and get the job done. But I think um, meetings, just to, to, to start with, meetings are important if you, you structure the meetings. And I'm sure you and I and many other people have been in meetings where you get very frustrated that, you know, people either don't stick to agenda, they come without agenda, or they're all over the show, and then the meeting becomes fruitless and you don't achieve anything. 
out of that meeting. So just as an introduction, so people might just think, yes, meeting, talking about meetings might be a bit of a boring topic. But, you know, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, achieve an objective, you know, and um, get the result, then maybe you need to structure your meetings properly so that at the end of the day, you know, you get out of the meeting what you plan to get out of that meeting, your son. In other words, you start off with a plan. You don't just yeah. have a meeting for the sake of a meeting. Like, uh, let's go. assume, like, you know, a lot of organizations, they will say, okay, Elke, in van die maan op a woensdag gaat ons meeting hou. And then, of course, you get to the meeting, and as you said, people don't have a proper agenda, and they have no plan in terms of what they need to get out of that meeting. And, of course, yeah. it just becomes a meeting so that you can people can have some liquor, dry biscuits, and, and, and tea, and, of mm. course, then go home after that, but they've achieved absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's 100%. So your objectives are important. Um, your attendees are important. To attend that meeting, and obviously make sure you know that people are properly invited to the meeting. And nowadays, we're having these schools at the Zoom and Skype and those type of meetings is just a different ball game as far as that is concerned. But any meeting, you know, needs uh, people to attend and confirm whether they are attending that meeting. If people um, is not going to attend the meeting, then you know your your meeting is not going to happen, and you're not going to achieve your objectives. And then, like you said earlier on, the agenda. Mm-hmm. What is the agenda of your meeting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, that's that's important so that you know the issues that you need to discuss must be on that agenda. Yeah, and then of course, uh, Faisal, you have like you know your 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 um, the people. That must actually the the, the main the main parties to to a meeting. I mean, normally in a, in an organizational meeting, it's probably from the masjid perspective, and uh, mm-hmm. is that the treasurer is a very important person in that meeting because normally people would want to understand the state of finances of an organization. I mean, that for yeah. me is probably one of the key agenda items in any meeting. You agree? Yes, yeah, that's hundred percent. You know, in the organization, whether it's the masjid committee or a club or a uh, just an association, a hiking club, a running club, uh, whatever it is, you know, um, finance is an important aspect and proper and transparency is important, proper accounting is important, so that pressure needs to account for finances. And you should have a, uh, a regular agenda item on the uh, agenda so that uh, you're given opportunity to explain, you know, what is the financial state and health of the organization. So that's that's very important. And sometimes you'll find that that agenda item uh, dominates also many meetings uh, because you know, you know, finance is, is critical for many organizations. Okay, fine. And Nazir, I just want to bring you in here because you are the litigator. Um you have so many situations where people come to your office. I mean, we've all had this experience where people say, I want to interdict a meeting from taking place um, based on uh, whatever the issues are. Now, Nazir, I want you to, to take people through what an interdict would cost if one decides to interdict a meeting. Yes, yeah, so, you know, one must draw a distinction between the two types of interdicts that one gets in, in civil litigation. The one would be an interim one and the one will be a final one. The two carries somewhat two different types of requirements. 
Um, and normally these things are brought on an extremely urgent basis. Um, and one, when one looks at the cost, you have to also bear in mind that high court litigation involves the, the services of an advocate as well, who is obviously now going to budget in accordance with the time that he's now required to launch these proceedings on behalf of the individual. So we're probably talking in a rough estimate the region of between 35 and 40,000 rand to bring an urgent interdict to court. Um, because, like I said, it isn't urgent. You're going to brief an advocate in short notice who's got to leave everything else he or she is busy with and then start drafting this particular process. Mm. And so re- it's a costly exercise. Okay, so the reason why I'm saying this because sometimes you hear these things being thrown around. You know, we're going to bring an interdict against him, we're going to stop this and we're going to stop that. And I don't think people realize the, in the cost implication attached to these things. It's a very, very expensive exercise. So, I mean, I'm glad that you've now mentioned that it can cost up to 40,000 rand just, and that is your deposit that that is a deposit that is just to draft the papers just to get it issued get it served and then you're in the throes of it so yeah and if uh, somebody opposes it costly exercise yeah Faisal what's your you I mean you've had experiences of that yeah I had experience where uh, you know threats were given that they going to interdict a meeting of a, uh, a company uh, of uh, directors or in shareholder meetings and you know threats uh, came and threats gone and there was no interdict, no court application and for that very reason because it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, so so you know uh, people get invited to the meeting rather than have the opportunity to discuss issues mm-hmm. and um, you know and avoid going to, to the litigation route if possible. You know, you can't always avoid it, but if possible going to save you quite a bit of money as uh, it's explained how expensive it is to get an interdict out there. Again, Faisal, a lot of these issues, you know, come as a result of improper communication mechanisms. Number one, that maybe the constitution or the founding documents of of an organization is not in order. In other words, they don't set out properly the powers and the competencies of mm. the various office bearers, bearers and or members of that organization. And as a result of this improper um, communication, then people start mm. misunderstanding each other. Yeah, mm. I, think it's, I think it's twofold. One, as you explained now, the founding document does not perhaps deal with meeting procedure. Alternative, the founding document does deal with meeting procedures, but the uh, members or the exco doesn't follow that procedure as dictated in that founding document, whether it's the constitution or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So you got it on on, on two, um, you know, um, matters as far as how they do not follow either the proper procedure as dictated by the document or um, is not in sufficiently described in the document how they should, uh, you know, proceed with these type of meetings. So if that is the case, you know, uh, people should get assistance. Mm. Um, whether it's the EXCO and the EXCO needs assistance, they need to get uh, advice and help and um, just to steer the organization, you know, to conduct proper meetings because you're going to have members who is not going to be happy and not going to be satisfied as far as our meetings uh, you know progress 
and then they going to um, want to take action against the organization. Yeah, I think, um, Faisal, yeah. well, what's also missing, and Azira, I think you can also uh, add to this, what's also missing in a lot of organizations is the is the terms of reference for specific duties and committees. Like, for instance, you'll find a situation where a treasurer has the feel that they have the upper end because they have signing powers on the account. Mm. That's But the problem with that is, it's not that that person feels that he's got the upper end. I think that there has not once again been sufficient communication uh, in respect of a terms of reference for that person in its execution of its duties. Uh, what, what do you think, Nazir? I I've had a bit of experience with uh, some of the SGBs uh, for some of the schools that we've done some recovery work for. And if one looks at uh, the mechanisms that they put in place with regard to the certain role players of the SGB, uh, you're 100% correct. My experience is that there isn't an aspect of, of intimidation there, uh, whether or not it's because of signing powers or not, I, I'm not entirely sure. But I can, I can without reservation, say that uh, a lot of people are um, more intimidated by um, roles that they hold at this particular board uh, levels. Mm-hmm. Here's a nice question that came in, and Faisal, you need to take note, and maybe something we need to put in our diaries. Uh, it says here... Can our esteemed legal person please organize workshops for masjid committees specifically regarding meeting procedure and legalities? It's sadly lacking in the Muslim community. Mm. It will be highly appreciated. Amazing community service. Allah will reward, inshallah. So it's very nice of that person to say that. But I think the substance of what that person is saying is that probably correct that it's not that uh, our people are, are, are ignorant or that people are, um, you know, or they don't care about uh, the, the, the content of the Constitution. Sometimes things are just has always been done in a certain way, and uh, they've, 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 taken, they've adopted a laxy-daisy approach in terms of protocol, and, uh, and that has become the norm. So if somebody comes on that's new, or somebody that has, uh, that has now obviously an objection, and they refer to the Constitution, then they will say, yeah, but no, yes, I to say. You know, that, that type of approach. So maybe yeah. this person is absolutely correct that we do need this type of workshops. Yeah, just on that point, Exxon, I, I have prepared a, a presentation and there was a, a, a plan uh, to go and do, uh, you know, a workshop. But this was before uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And then that uh, workshops were all cancelled. So um, yes, definitely we can uh, revise that, and inshallah, you know, you know, do that uh, presentation because it, it's been done already. We have to just, I just have to, you know, um, relook at it, and then we could do something in the future, inshallah, when um, when it's possible. And Azir is a very, very. Uh <laughs> It's a question, it's what I call the million dollar question, and if this question can be answered successfully, then of course half the world's problems will be solved. And that question from the listener is, Salam Ikhsan, why are legal fees so expensive? Nazir, you're going to have the honor of answering that question now. Ihsan, you're putting me on the spot, but I'm going to try. It's fine, I'll help you. No, I never let my guests be on the spot. I I always come to the rescue if I have to. (laughs) Well, 
is part of the reason why legal fees, well, look, the, the, the earlier question that we alluded to was uh, the issue of urgency and the, and the, the extreme um, uh, circumstances that one has to bring such applications. So effectively, one has to now put all work, all else work aside. No, no, but, no, but Nazir, don't, don't talk about urgent applications. Talk about why are lawyers, why are the fees so expensive? Generally, not urgent applications. Generally, it depends on the level of experience that a particular practitioner brings to the table, but one also has to bear in mind that high court litigation is generally more expensive because we invoke the services of an advocate who charges by the day and not by the hour. Uh, and that is the challenge that many clients have because unlike attorneys uh, who charge by the hour, the advocates will be insistent on, pay, on being paid their day fees. So mm-hmm. if you're going to a trial that lasts three or four days, that particular advocate, whoever you brief on them on the matter, is going to have to be covered for that particular time that he or she is going to spend on the matter. Mm-hmm. And they don't come in on cheap, uh, cheap rates. I mean... The best you could negotiate with an, with an advocate that's got a reasonable experience under his or her belt could be up to fifteen to 20,000 rand per day. Mm. So and I just want to add advocate to, fees alone is yeah. exorbitant. But I think also just to add to, to what you're saying, Nazir, is that lawyers don't regulate their own fees. The fees yes. are given in terms of a tariff that the, 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 the legal practice council puts out there or... Or the or the minister puts. I don't think it's the minister. I think it's a legal practice council mm. that comes up with a, a number, and of course lawyers charge in accordance with that tariff. So that's right. It's, and it's probably lawyer, lawyers has probably always been expensive. Faisal, what is your take on it? Yes, exactly. And I think Nazir is hundred percent correct that was the uh, expertise that we're talking about here, and you'll find that uh, attorneys depending on their years of practice, you know, they would charge according to a certain tariff that is recommended by the Legal Practice Council. And if you're a practicing attorney for over 20 years, you know, your fee is going to be much more than a a professional assistant or article clerk. What would the the recommended tariff be for an attorney with 20 odd years of experience? Your hour in late could be easily about two and a half thousand rand uh, to maybe three and a half thousand rand in that bracket. Is, what all that, is that an hour? That's two and a half thousand to three and a half thousand rand an hour. An hour for an attorney who's got more than 20 years of experience or practice, yes. No. Okay, well, we, uh, Nazir, just, just I want you to comment on that because, I mean, I want listeners to understand that the service that Voice of the Cape brings to your homes, you know, at the moment, I mean, if I have the two of you on air for, for, for an hour, including myself, then, of course, we would have been entitled to charge, what Faisal said now, per hour. So that's almost 10,000 rand an hour. If uh, you add that to it, <laughs> so so that's just to chew on that so long. Uh, we're gonna go for a quick ad break, and Nazira, I want you just to comment on that when we come back. The legal hour with Isan Higgins. And we are back with the legal hour. I've got Nazir Parker and I've got Faisal Bardin on the line. We're talking about various aspects, more particularly uh, 
the costs of lawyers and uh, that obviously came up as a result of one of the questions on uh, on the WhatsApp line. But uh, we're also speaking about protocol, meeting protocol, mosque meetings and, uh, you know, ways to, to, to improve the situation uh, at the committee level. And of course, Nazir is going to give us a little bit of a rundown of this dog case that happened a few days ago. But Nazir is coming back to the issue of costs. Um, so it's actually the wise thing to start talking to people and resolving conflict without having to come to lawyers. Nazir? I suppose that would be the sensible thing. Um, try and talk the problem out prior to having engaged the services of professionals. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, things escalate to a level where the um, intervention of, of attorneys are required. Um, but as we've been promoting on this uh, radio station for as long as I can remember, I think a lot of parties should try and mediate matters prior to even going to or thinking about court processes because that is really where the costs are consumed rapidly. Mm. Um, as opposed to sitting around the table for maybe an hour, hour and a half uh, to try and resolve the matter around the table where you spend far less legal fees and you get an immediate result. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes um, you, you just can't end up settling a particular dispute and the court will have to intervene. Yeah, I think, Nazir, what I think a lot of committees are failing in terms of the mosque committees is that they should have a person, and maybe not even the, the, the imam of the masjid, maybe the imam can obviously comment on the issues pertaining to Sharia and uh, on, the, on the religious issues, but they should maybe have a person of that community who's maybe a lawyer, who's maybe an accountant or maybe even somebody some in one of the other professions to be the mediator. And of course, that person must try to resolve a dispute at mosque level. And of course, that person can't resolve it through mediation. They must switch to arbitration almost immediately. And of course, whatever ruling that person makes uh, in of course listening to both parties and listening to the to the to the sheikh or the imam pertaining to the to the sharia aspect of the dispute is to make a finding and everybody must agree to actually abide by that finding and in that way you don't have situations where we waste valuable community money and mosque money on frivolous lawsuits mm. can you comment on that faisal hey, nazir yeah, Nazir, you can go ahead, Nazir? Uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% behind you on that recommendation. I think that, you know, the, the, the invoking mediation proceedings and or arbitration proceedings is far less uh, expensive. It is far more clinical. It is far more decisive than any court process is going to give you um, in, in, a, in, a, in a short time period. Um, I fully back you on that statement. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I see a lot more mass litigation coming out, and <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, for some reason it's, it's becoming a, a, a more common thread in, in our courtrooms where uh, committees and community members are, are having the speech ventilated in the courtroom. Mm. Faisal, your point yeah. on that yeah, one? I think, I think you're right, you know, uh, having the um, issues discussed and uh, resolutions found around the table would be, you know, first prize and the best option to go. But 
why is it not happening, uh, you know, that the people um, resorting first to that and resolving the problems around the table? I don't know. Uh, we've always encouraged that. We've never encouraged on the radio to, you know, first litigate and then uh, mediate or arbitrate, uh, you know. Um, so, um, and and it's so um, uh, expensive going to court and also the... Not the trauma, but the the, um, the, the uncertainty. Face the, um, yes, some people do find it's traumatic going to court. Um, mm-hmm. Besides the cost itself, you know, just going to court and being there in the in the court and being cross-examined, etc., is not a pleasant experience. Um, so I don't know why people are not opting for the mediation process. But remember, when you go for mediation. Both parties must be on board with the mediation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you're not on board and you're not wanting to, uh, you know, resolve this matter out of court, and then I think the parties are wasting their time. Yeah, but Faisal, what I think can happen, I mean, I hear what you're saying, that the parties must be on board because mediation is a voluntary process. But I think if the at the general meeting of those masjids, at the annual general meeting, somebody must move... A, a motion that they should write into the Constitution a conflict resolution clause. In other words, saying that so-and-so or this group of people or will, be, will be able to mediate. And, of course, if they can't mediate, it will go to arbitration immediately, you know, and must be settled within 48 hours. But they can write that into the Constitution. And, of course, if you have your AGM, you have your majority of members there. I can't see that the membership of that institution opposing such a motion. But once it's in that particular document, then the parties don't have a choice. They will have to mediate before they can actually go to court, because if yes. they get to court, and one of the parties raises as a, as an exception, uh, was a point in limine that this matter was supposed to go to mediation and then to arbitration, and only thereafter it can come to court. The matter will be kicked out of court immediately. Mm. Nazir, your comment on that? I found that is 100% spot on the legal basis for that is so the argument therefore is sound. Um, if they do invoke and include these particular clauses in the in the, the regulatory documents like the constitution, then it's it's in, it's it's forced upon uh, the relevant role players to re, re, um, resolve their disputes around uh, a mediation forum or arbitration forum. Because like you say, a court is going to um, kick the matter out of the door immediately if that particular defense is raised. Faisal? And uh, I think it's, um, it's an excellent idea. Faisal? Yes, no, no, I agree 100% with that. Um, I've managed to, just for interest sake, I, I managed to retrieve this presentation I mentioned earlier on. And um, there were certain topics. You want me just to mention yes, some please, of them? Yes, please. Yeah, because uh, I think we have a few minutes left before Naziris is going to give us a quick report on yeah. the talkers. So, so, so the presentation deals with the management of budgets, uh, constitutions and contracts. So it talks about why should a masjid have a constitution, um, the formation of management structures, um, association with the constitution or trust or the deed of trust, um, then it deals with, uh, you know, explaining the, the, the two different um, uh, structures, whether it's an association or whether it's a deed of trust, and what goes into the Constitution, what goes in the, into the deed of trust. 
um, and also ownership of immovable property, you know, the how the property is registered in the name of the trust or in the, um, the association. And then lastly, with contracts, you know, uh, employment contracts. How does the Masjid Committee employ people, whether it's the Imam, whether it's admin people, or whether it's people working for the Masjid? So that was just basically, you know, what the the presentation would have dealt with here. So that's something to think about. We could add, subtract from that, but I think it's a, a popular, useful presentation. Faisal, then, then, I mean, just based on what you're saying now, um, and I'm going to take the liberty to to invite the community, the mosque community, uh, especially people that are involved in the administration of masjids and, of course, interested parties of masjids, is to contact myself and Faisal and Nazir via the, the legal cafe on 082-336-378. And we will, of course, make an appointment for that masjid and we will, free of charge, come out to that masjid to that community and we'll maybe do a bit of a presentation and if there's very specific questions that you have that we can answer I mean if I just look at one of the questions that came through on the WhatsApp line now it says Salam if your constitution states an AGM will be held every three years but the current committee refuses that AGM what can the community do that's the type of exactly the type of questions we will deal with because there are mechanisms to deal with that type of situation so please feel free uh, members of the masjid committees Imam Shuyukhs and uh, and and call on us to assist. I mean, we've got other colleagues as well that will assist. Uh, you know, the, the the masjids to get up to to scratch in terms of the administration. So um, yeah, so that basically covers that. Faisal, want to add to, to that? Yeah, no, I think uh, that will be a nice team if we could um, you know go out there and assist um, myself, you and Azid, if he's available. And we can do it, you know, over Saturday or Sunday type of thing and, um, you know, empower the masjids uh, and the committees as far as these things are concerned, Iksan. Uh, and we, we offer that, inshallah, and hopefully we can assist. Um, now with, with, the, with the COVID, I'm sure we could do, we could, we could start on those type of presentations with the protocols being all observed. Okay, excellent. And of course, we can uh, deal with workshops up to 50 people. And we bring with our own uh, audiovisual equipment and that type of thing, so people don't have to worry about those things. They must just say, Us unang and then we, and they give us a date and the time, and inshallah, if, uh, if, if inshallah. our Irish permit, we will be there. So, Nazir, lastly, a uh, question on the this case, this dog case. In fact, I was quite intrigued when I read it. So, can you just take mm. us through it? The, the, the basis of this particular case has got a very, very old foundation of law where uh, those pet owners, especially those who own or are responsible for vicious dogs, uh, must take very, very, uh, very uh, must, must take really note of this particular case where um, this particular individual was attacked by three dogs. The owners of uh, the three dogs were sued for 2.3 or 2.4 million rand. Mm-hmm. And basically, the individual who was bitten was successful in the court in Pretoria, um, at uh, Port Elizabeth. And the owners of the dogs took the matter on appeal. Obviously, it's a lot of money that I have to fork out. 
And in the appeal court, they also uh, failed to, to overturn the decision. So they were they were forced to pay the 2.4 million rand. Well, uh, I doubt if they pay a, included yeah. two advocates. Yeah, I doubt if they um, can afford that 2.4 million just like that. will probably wipe them out financially. Well, if so, I, I don't... Look, I, I've read the initial case that was dealt with in the, in the High Court in Port Elizabeth, and I think the area where the individual was bitten was, uh, was quite an ups, upstanding oh, area. So whether or not they can afford it is another question, but they are now in for 2.4 million just because of negligence with regard to the, the care and control of, of vicious animals. Okay, and like I said, this is a all principles in our law, and it's just been developed over the years. There are certain exceptions. Um, but all the, the old principle is based. Uh, the old principle is based on on Roman Dutch law. I take it. That, that, that is so what, what uh, I've read goes back all the way to Justinian law. So yeah, it was that was the the Actio Dei Popieri, uh, whatever that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they don't use that in the courts anymore, but definitely it's part of of the Roman law. But yeah. um, the, the the what what's what's shocking about that case is, is that. The, the the quantum, I mean, of 2.4 million for a, a bite. I don't know what the extent of the damage was to that person, but the he fact had that the is on. okay, well, that's that's worth 2.4 million. But yeah. the reality is that you can't determine what the damage is. Once a dog bites, he bites, and uh, I mean, I would hate to think what what the quantum would have been had that person died. Yeah, if I look, this particular individual who was the victim of all of this, he was a gardener or, and a refuse collector in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was known in the area, and when the dogs attacked him, all the neighbors came out, they saw the commotion. Uh, initially, the owners tried to argue that the dogs that were biting him weren't theirs, but eventually they had to give up on that particular argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they tried to convince the court that uh, the gates were locked and there was a break-in at their house, and an intruder basically lifted the gate off its hinges. Mm-hmm. That defense also failed. So all these defenses that were uh, tried to be raised, unfortunately, didn't assist the owners of the dog. Uh, and they're now out of pocket by two and a half million rand for a dog bite. But, but Nazir, there are defenses to your dog biting someone. It's just as run us through those, I think there's three there defenses. There are three defenses recognized yeah. in our law. One would be where the animal is provoked um, to the point where uh, he now attacks. The other is where an individual is like jumping into a, a neighbor's yard and that uh, guard dog now attacks him. So he's in a place where he shouldn't be. And the third defense is if I leave my animal in the care of a third party and uh, the dog attacks while he's in the care of a third party, I as the owner can't be held liable for whatever damage has occurred as a consequence. Okay, cool. So shukran for that, Nazir. And uh, I just want to say, you know, what's worrying is that in the Muslim community, you find that people that have dogs normally have quite big, vicious dogs because they don't allow the dog into the house. They have the dog in the yard. Whereas in, uh, in, in other communities, uh, non-Muslim communities, they are quite fine having the dog inside the house. So therefore, there's like these little small dogs that we normally see in Seapoint and these places. And uh, so that means the Muslim community who, have, who has these vicious dogs in their yards should actually be a lot more vigilant about uh, their dog causing damage to anybody or biting anybody. Okay. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's important. What worries me is that, you know, people walking around with dogs and they don't have their dogs on their leash. Mm-hmm. And they always mm-hmm. tell you, no, don't worry, my dog He's doesn't friendly. bite. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't bite, you yeah. know, and... and so, so that is a concern because, especially for for walkers or runners or whatever the case may be, mm. uh, and yeah, the dogs come along and they are not on the leash, and um, the dog just starts to attack. So, those owners must be very careful. Yeah, okay, gentlemen, that's all what is it for Fernand. Shukran very much for for coming on air. I think we've covered quite a bit of of issues. Um, for those people that want Faisal's number or Nazir's number, they can contact the Legal Cafe on 082-336-3778. And of course, also, this, uh, of course, those people that have a that have a question that wasn't answered tonight on the WhatsApp line, please send it to that number, and we'll see if we can assist you. So, from my side, from my guest's side, shukran very much, and I say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape.